One of the realities is these last several weeks, I'm really missing a big, juicy cheeseburger. You know the kind I'm talking about, the kind that is just loaded with stuff on top. The kind that has cheese that's just oozing off the sides. The kind with crispy bacon and maybe even an egg or a hash brown on top. The kind that you know is not good for you, but man, it tastes so good. And maybe you also like me, you really like when it comes in a restaurant with piping hot fries. Like that's the best. I can't recreate that at home. I make a pretty good cheeseburger, but not that good. I really am longing for that. And maybe you're like me, you see these commercials for one of those, you're like, oh, how much longer until I can have that? Or maybe you're just one of those weird people, they're like, ooh, that salad looks incredible. Whatever, you know, salads are good too, but they're not the same as a cheeseburger. In fact, I know it might be hereditary in our family because when my son was little, we would drive by those golden arches. You know the ones I'm talking about, the shrines to fast food. And so when we drive by, my son, would, from the back seat, he was under two years old, and I can still remember him going, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. So sure enough, we would often stop and get him a cheeseburger. And so that kid has always loved cheeseburgers. Now, we pass McDonald's, he usually doesn't say much because he has some other favorites that he likes instead. <laughs> but what he will do now, instead of saying cheeseburger, cheeseburger, he goes, Dad, I'm getting hangry. Can I get a cheeseburger? Hangry. He's hungry and he's angry because he wants his food. See, this is true for so many of us. We hunger after something. We all hunger after whatever it is. And, and in this, what we find is sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. One of my favorite memes right now is one with Chris Hemsworth, the guy who played Thor in the Marvel movies. And the one, it shows him, and he's just ripped, ready for the movie. He looks like, like the guy he's supposed to play in the movie. And yet, then they show another clip in the same meme is on the other side, it shows Thor after quarantine, and it shows this guy hugely out of weight who's put on a ton of weight, and this is what it is for us in these days. We're hungry, and we're filling ourselves probably with lots of stuff, but the question for us is, what are we filling ourselves with? See, we all hunger after something, and our appetites lead us to places we may or may not want to go. That's hard for us to know, is it what we're hungry after is a good thing or not? See, there's a practice that's really ancient. It's been practiced by lots of people in the history of the church, but it's just practice of fasting. And see, fasting is not a new thing, but, but it's interesting that today's fast, in fact, if I were to go back just a few years, from, from 1861 to 1954, there were zero books written on fasting. None. Now, since then, there have been a bunch of books written on fasting. In fact, you'll find it everywhere. You'll find talks on it, you'll find books on it, but most fasting deals with a couple of things today. It deals with health-related issues, how to be healthier in terms of like get over illnesses possibly, or it'll be about just your, how you look. It'll be about like a diet fad kind of thing, the idea that you can do intermittent fasting or whatever it looks like. But see, that, that's not the type of fasting that we find in the scriptures. You see, fasting in the scriptures is centered around a reorientation of what the good life is, life in God's kingdom. So we're going to define the good life as life in God's kingdom. It's not often what we think of in this life, but it is the reality of the good life. And so all these spiritual practices we've been talking about, prayer and meditation and now fasting, these are really central to the idea that they're a means to an end. The goal is not just to be a person who fasts. That's not the goal. The goal is to be a person who comes to know God's love and who God is more and more. And so these practices help us enter into the right space and rhythm in life to do that. 
And so what we begin to find is this, that fasting in the scriptures is always about learning to live in right relationship with God. See, fasting in the scriptures is always about this idea of being in right relationship with God. And so maybe today you find yourself going, ah, I don't know about this fasting thing. I'm not so sure about it. But here's what I want to say to you today. If maybe you have struggled with, with any kind of consumption, whatever it is that you struggle to consume stuff, maybe fasting would be a good practice for you. But maybe today you're saying, you know what? I never have my wants become so great that I have to cave into them. I never have things where I long for sexual gratification or for power or for money. I never let my gratification desires trump what's the better value in life. That's never me. And if that's you, awesome. Good for you. And maybe today, you're, though, you're someone else and you're wrestling with this going, I've struggled with an eating disorder. It's been real in my life and food is kind of one of those things that I really struggle with. And maybe fasting isn't for you or maybe you have a significant health issue and you can't fast. And I want to say to those, especially maybe who have a history of eating disorder, the truth is in the church, we're all a wreck apart from the grace and love of God. And even in those things, if you find it, you, you just need to be not doing fasting for those reasons. Know that it's okay because the, all these spiritual practices are means to an end to know God more. And so it isn't the goal that we would practice more things and figure out more things to do so that we can check them off our list, so that we can be a better Christian because we did all of the disciplines. No, the goal is that I would do these things so that I could know more and more who God is. I could enter into more the correct space and rhythm of life to hear his voice. See, we can go all throughout the, the scriptures and we can begin to see that, that this reality of what we find in them is the story of people fasting all throughout from Moses and Elijah to David and so many others. Esther called the whole nation of Israel to fast when she went to talk to the king. But really, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, then knowing what he has to say about fasting and the way he experienced it probably is most helpful. And so we have these words from Matthew chapter 4, verses 2 to 4. And we'll look at them just briefly here, but, but here's what the story says. It says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It's written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Did you catch that? Jesus wants to make it clear that we don't live on just food. Food is not the only thing that sustains us. And yet when we're hungry, we think that we can't miss a meal. When in truth, you can actually miss several. <laughs> And it's probably not going to hurt you. But this for us becomes hard for us. So how do, we, how do we do this? Is it necessary that we fast? I mean, I just gave a caveat for those who maybe struggle with eating disorders or who have significant health issues. Well, it's not like a rule per se. But we look at a couple other passages where Jesus is speaking. And we begin to say, huh, maybe it's something I should think seriously about implementing in my life. So now this next Passage of scripture we're going to look at from Matthew chapter 6. It comes in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is talking about praying and giving and fasting as if those are practices that we're going to be a participants in regardless of what else is going on around us. Not necessarily rules, but it's this idea that this is call of life on all our lives. And so here's what Jesus says from Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. It says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. 
But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will be not obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. As we said, this passage comes in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, which is really Jesus' greatest teaching on not only how we live, but who we're to become. And I can't help but think every time I read this, this text, what we see in this is the, the Pharisees would, would fast and they would look gone. I mean, they might only fast a day and they would look like death, right? After one day of fasting, you're okay. But what we'd also find in that is Jesus makes it clear that they received their reward in this life because they made sure everybody saw, it's like, oh, look how pious they are. But I can't help but thinking back to the words of Zechariah the prophet when he was speaking as if God was speaking when he says this. Was it really for me that you fasted? See, he's trying to get to the motive. Was it for me you fasted? God wants to know what's our motive for fasting. I mentioned earlier that that sometimes we fast for all those other good reasons. I mean, health benefits, they're good. I mean, lose a little weight might be good too for, for healthy reasons. But, but, that's not what we're talking about here. That's a secondary thing that isn't the reality of this. Because if we're not careful, we can do all the right things with the wrong heart. And see, fasting is meant to be this idea that I'm entering into the presence of God, that I'm abstaining myself, and I'm going back to the words of Jesus where I say, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from God. And so I love this quote by Richard Foster. He says these words. He says, to use good things to our own ends is always the sign of a false religion. How easy it is to take something like fasting to try to use it to get God to do what we want. And here's the reality for us. Spiritual disciplines are meant to be a means to an end to help us move closer to a stronger relationship with God. And the assumption is that these practices are about being in the presence of God, about us being changed from the inside out so that who we are is actually different than who we used to be by spending time with God and learning to know His love and embracing that and letting it be what shapes us and changes us. And so again, it's not a commandment of Jesus, but, but here's another scene where Jesus is talking and John's disciples come to him. And so here's this text from Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 and 15 says this. Then John's disciples came and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he's with them? He says, the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them then they will fast. In other words, what we see in these words right here is this idea that that fasting is just assumed that God's people will do. Jesus says, well, when I'm not with them anymore, in other words, when I'm resurrected, when I go to this place in which I'm with my father again and my disciples don't have me present, then they will fast. So in other words, for us, the assumption is that you and I will fast. We'll be participants in this. We'll abstain from something. And I know maybe you're like me. You... You go, man, but I really like Annie Ann's. I really like Cinnabon. <laughs> I mean, I really like Chips Ahoy and Oreo and all these other brands, and they just sound so good to me all the time, unfortunately. But maybe what we find is when we begin to not partake, we begin to step back, we begin to recognize this is the reality that we're not sustained by our own work or even by food. We can be sustained by the presence of God and his love for us. And that becomes such a real thing. 
So here's a couple kind of practical ideas for you if you're going to think about fasting. So maybe begin with the idea that you're just going to fast a meal or two. It's kind of simple, just one meal, maybe two. And then when you've done that, you go, all right, I can do that. And then maybe you'll go 24 hours of fasting. Maybe you'll go from lunch to lunch. And so you're actually fasting two meals. That'd be a dinner and a breakfast. But you're going 24 hours. And what maybe if, if you can do that, you can go, go beyond that. You go full 24 hours where you fast all three meals. And, and I got to be honest with you, so that you know what's going to happen. Your stomach is going to gurgle and growl and you're going to go, oh, I'm hungry. I need to eat. No, you don't need to eat. You've trained your body your entire life to eat multiple times per day. And it's just your body going, hey, it's that time again. But the truth is you're okay. And this is what it looks like for us, that we don't want to let our stomach be our master of who we are. And in fact, we've got some resources that you're going to hear about later that you can find more about what's it look like to practice fasting. And I want to be clear, the reason I think fasting is such a powerful thing for us is we live in a world where, where I wish I could remember where the stats come from, and it came from when I was working with a, a leadership consultant, but one of the numbers he gave me that I'll never forget, he said that 85% of all people make all their life decisions from two perspectives. Either it is the seeking of pleasure or the avoidance of pain. Either we're seeking pleasure or we're avoiding pain. So learning to live in that like 15% window is nearly impossible for most of us. And food or fasting becomes one of those ways we know it's true. Because when our stomach growls, we eat. So we want to avoid the pain of our stomach growling. (laughs) And the truth is, for many of us, we like food. And so we're seeking pleasure. And the truth is, we can fast all kinds of things beyond this as well, if it's not food. But I would encourage you to think seriously about fasting this Because otherwise, we're driven by our desire for pleasure or our desire to avoid pain. And another way of saying avoiding pain is fear. And so fasting helps us recognize that we don't have to be driven by our desires for good stuff or our fear of bad stuff. But we can find that we live a life in which God becomes central to who we are. And see, fasting helps us realize our ability to be driven by other things beyond our desires. Fasting helps us to be connected to God in this way. And maybe these words are helpful. See, fasting helps us remember that if we're not careful, what we consume can can consume us. If we're not careful, what we consume can consume us. Fasting reminds us that we don't have to be consumed by what we consume. And so here's my challenge for you to take seriously the idea of fasting at some point this week. If you can only do a meal, do a meal. If you can do two, do two. If you can do a full 24 hours, do a full 24 hours. And here's the other part of it. You don't have to tell anybody about it. Just do it. And so here's what I want to say today. You don't have to skip the cheeseburger every time. But sometimes it's a good idea to skip the cheeseburger. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather in these moments together. We thank you for the way you love us, for the way you come near to us. You invite us, just like Jesus knew, that we can find true life in your words. Even when it feels like what we really want is a cheeseburger. So Father, we pray right now that you would help us to be kind of people who are not consumed by what we consume, but we are drawn to your love and your grace, and it defines us. And so may we take these practices, these trainings, may we implement them in our life so that we come to know who you are more and the depth of your love for us. 
And so, Father, will you continue to be near to us? Help us to become the kind of people who know your love, who know your grace, who've decided that we're going to enter into training and we're going to make these practices a reality in our life. And so, Father, even though fasting may be hard for us, we pray that we'll find ourselves entering into it with trust that you'll meet us there. And so we pray all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.